Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Good morning. Listen to the word of the Lord. In John chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Who will you bring to meet Jesus? Pray with me. God, thank you for drawing us unto you. God, I thank you that you allow us to be in this place today. And I ask you right now to anoint my mind and my mouth, my body, God. Give me strength to stand in this place and say what you'd have me to say. Lord, I pray that you'd touch every person in this room today with your word, by your spirit. God, I pray that you would strengthen the saved. I pray that you would restore the backslider and save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is one of those titles of a message that makes me think what I've been thinking for a long time. One day I'm going to read the scripture, I'm going to announce the title, and everybody's just going to get on the altar. And you, you have heard enough already to have revival with God in your own life. In, in, in the scripture that was read, which the Bible says it is alive and it's powerful, and that's the truth. In the scriptures that have been read, and in this one question, if you're here and you know God at all, you ought to be ready to break out into revival mode and hear me good. Take action. Who will you bring to meet Jesus? I just want to jump right into it this morning and tell you everyone should bring someone to meet Jesus. Three people agree with that. Well, I agree with it. I'm just not one of those talkers. Um, you know, I, let me just give you all some church etiquette. Amen means I agree with that. Amen means I, I believe that too. Amen means I like hearing you say that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're saying something that I want to hear instead of something I don't want to hear. You know, that, that's what amen means in the crowd. Uh, you know what amen means up here in the pulpit? I don't have to keep preaching on that same issue for another five. I don't have to say it 12 different ways. I don't have to re-say it five different times. I don't have to stand up here and stomp up and down on a stump to try to wonder, is anybody hearing me? 
Now, if we were a different church, <laughs> and these churches, they, they, they just crack me up. Um, I've, so, some of my friends pastor this way, and it, it's hilarious to me. Um, some preacher will say something. 80% of the crowd just scream and holler. And, and, and they'll, they'll come back. Some of y'all had preachers like this. Ain't nobody helping me. I wish I had five people that could say amen. And, you, and I'm like, you just had 900 people stand up and throw books in the air, brother. I mean, but from there, it means I agree. Glad you finally said something I like. Uh, I, I co-signed what you said. Up here, it means, oh, I can move on. Uh, is anybody hearing me? I guess I got to explain it better. <laughs> Let me move on. Listen, everybody should bring somebody to Jesus. There have been campaigns, targeted efforts, strategies by churches for decades uh, around this simple concept, each one can reach one. And that's valuable to my heart because I learned that in my first year of salvation. And hear me good. I was determined to be one of those who reached somebody. And I want you to get a determination in your heart today to be one of those who reaches somebody. You can do it. Each one can reach one. What would happen if everybody in this room brought a visitor next week? Anybody know what would happen mathematically? We'd, there'd be twice as many people in this room. And then the next week, what would happen if all those people brought somebody? Yeah, we'd have to ask folk to go home. <laughs> we'd know where to put them. Uh, but listen, you can do it. And God has commanded us to do it. Let me, let me show you how the church grew. Because here's the reality. There was religion long before Jesus was born in a manger. There were churches, there were groups gathering, there, there, there were congregations, synagogues, assemblies. There, were, there was all that before Jesus came around. The Hebrew religion predated Jesus by thousands of years. Not Jesus himself because Jesus is eternal, but Jesus as he manifested himself in the physical 2,000 years ago in this area of Palestine. And... So there, there's always been crowds of people. Jesus came along and began to teach, hear me good, a better way, a new way. They called the original Christian church the way because Jesus went around telling people. Here's the reality. We have it recorded for us uh, once, twice, three times, sometimes. But when Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Do you think that's the only time in three and a half years of preaching that he said that? It's not. Yeah, it's not. How, how do I know that? Because preachers preach by repetition. And the Bible says if, if, if it tried to record everything that Jesus said and did, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. But Jesus was going around telling people, I'm the way. So they named his religion the way. And here's the reality. He started teaching a better way, a new way. He started revealing God's hidden plan. He started teaching truth that people had not heard. 
and a lot of people turned against him. But a handful of people started following him. And the Bible even says in the book of Acts that, that these, these handful of ignorant, unlearned people have turned the world upside down for Jesus. There are, people will tell you, every Muslim will be glad to tell you, Islam's older than Christianity. Islam's older than New Testament Christianity, but there's nothing older than the uh, worship of Jehovah, creator of all that there is, uh, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, but they are right in their concept that their church uh, and lots of churches were gathering together before Jesus gathered a handful of people. But what did those handful of people do? They started bringing others. And what did those people do? They started bringing others. It's like that old commercial. Man, they must have ran that commercial a lot because it stuck in my mind as a child. I think it was VO5. It could have been anything. But had, had the woman on the screen, she was washing her hair with a certain kind of shampoo or using a certain kind of makeup. And it says, and, 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 and she told two friends. And then they split the screen and her face was on there twice. I thought, wow, that's great graphics. You know how old I am now, right? <laughs> and, then, and, and then she said, and they told two friends, boom, four of this white chick's face with blonde hair on there. On the screen, I'm like, well, look at this technology here. I didn't say that because we didn't use the word technology in the 60s or in the 70s. We had it. We just didn't know what it was called. Uh, and then uh, she said, and they told two friends. Anybody remember what the rest of it said? And so on and so on. And he kept it just boom, 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 boom. And he kept doubling, 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 doubling. And then there was like all these little white blonde-haired women on, on the screen. But that is, in large part, very similar to the way that the Lord's church grew. Somebody told somebody that told somebody. So here's what I want you to get. You need to be somebody that tells somebody. And then they need to be somebody that tells somebody. So here's what I want you to determine in your mind. Who told you? And who did you tell? Somebody had to tell you. And if you didn't tell somebody, then you're breaking the chain. And this chain needs to continue because the only way, you know, every Christian, not, maybe not every Christian, but the majority of church-going folk would say, well, Pastor Scott, the world needs Jesus, and we need to be a better world. We need, we need to stop fighting and killing each other, and we need to uh, have better schools and happiness and, you know, Chocolate candy for lunch. And everybody's got all these ideas about wanting the world to be a better place. But there is one person on this planet that can truly make the world a better place, and his name is Jesus. We have the answer. Somebody told you about this man, Jesus, and we have been commanded by him to go tell others. If you agree with that, say amen. So here's what happened. This brand new religion pops up 2,000 years ago. It, it, it's not really a brand new religion. It's a greater uh, revelation of the original religion that God taught Adam in the Garden of Eden. But there were no churches like this. And Jesus starts with a few people. And they told others that told others. And that is how churches grow today. We started this church with 15 adults and a handful of kids. And somebody told somebody, somebody told somebody, and that's how you 
ended up here or you drove by and saw it and just thought you'd pop in. But each one not only can reach one, each one should reach one. In our story, we're going to see how John introduced, John brought Andrew to the knowledge of who Jesus is. And then Andrew introduced who? His brother to Jesus. He introduced Peter to Jesus. And then what happened? Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people got saved. Is there anywhere in the Bible that, okay, somebody, this is Bible trivia for you. Who does Jesus say is the greatest prophet that ever lived? John. Any evidence in the Bible that John ever preached and had thousands of people get saved? There is not. Okay, but then we got this guy that was a disciple of John the Baptist, and his name was Andrew. Anywhere in the Bible tell us Andrew ever preached and had thousands of people get saved? It is not. But Andrew told his brother, who we know is what? Peter. Is there anywhere in the Bible that tells us that Peter preached and thousands of people got saved? Go like this. There is. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 2, verse 40. Then Peter continued preaching for a short time because church folk were concerned about getting out of the building on time and beating the Methodists to lunch. No. Uh, mm. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41 says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So if John hadn't told Andrew, Andrew hadn't told who? Then who would have preached on Pentecost? Well, the real answer is somebody. But it was designed by God for John to use his influence, his relationship with Andrew, to introduce Andrew to the Lord. Andrew used his relationship, his influence over his brother to introduce his brother to the Lord. Which takes me back to the title of the message. Who will you bring to meet Jesus? And I want you to have an answer for that. Now, I mean, I just want you to think right now. Let's act like we're not even in church. Let's just hang out and talk. If I was sitting down with you, if we were at a restaurant somewhere and I said, tell me the name of everybody who you've introduced to the Lord who's going to be into heaven because God used you to make that introduction. I don't know how long your list would be. Anybody? I can remember. Um, you remember mom's friend Janet? Mom was so excited the day Janet got saved in our church because my mom had been trying to each one reach one. And my mom said, I know, she said, I don't know how many people. Because you never know what, what, how far your reach is. You don't know the smile you gave, the door you held open, the, the kind word that you said, the pleasant look on your face. God could have used any of that to bring somebody to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But she said, I know for sure now. Uh, I brought my friend Janet to the Lord. And so if my mom was here today, uh, she, she, she would be able to say, I, I, probably a bunch, but I know for sure my friend Janet, I hope you've got a friend, a relative, co-worker, somebody that you have brought to the Lord. Now, some of you, 
might, might say this. Well, Pastor, I keep bringing them, but they keep wiggling off the hook and jumping back into the water. <laughs> hey, our job is to bring them, y'all. Our, our job is just to share the good news with them, and, and the results are up to the Lord. The Bible says salvation belongs to the Lord. And, but this is, this is the process. This is how God designed it to work. I've had so many people tell me over the years, well, if God is real, why don't he just write with a big magic red ink pen on the cloud, Jesus is the only way, follow him. How am I going to pick between all these different churches? Why don't God, because God didn't design it that way. God designed it by taking a few people that would tell a few people, that would tell a few people, each one reaching one, and now there are millions of believers all around the world by this process. Let's look into our Opening text, John chapter 1, verse 35 says, The following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. So here we have John the Baptist. Here we have the cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ who God used to launch Jesus out into public ministry through um, an open baptismal service. And he sees Jesus walking um, in verse 36 and it says, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. So here is John, not scared, say not scared, not scared to speak up for the Lord. Now, some of y'all ought to already know where I'm going with this. I am so tired of hearing people say, God bless you when a stranger sneezes. Not that it's bad, not that it's wrong. But it, it, just, it just shocks me, like, you, you didn't say anything. Why are so people so bold to say God bless you to a stranger for sneezing, but won't walk by somebody and say Jesus loves you? Do you know how fast we could shut down God bless you on a sneeze if we changed the word from God to Jesus? Woo, Jesus bless you. Oh, they're not taking that. They are not. I've been told when I've preached at... Uh, graduation ceremonies, when I've had friends preach at graduation ceremonies, the, the greatest example of it ever was Dr. Lindsay. Dr. Lindsay got up at a, at a graduation in the early 80s, and because this is about the time frame it happened, because hear me good, principals used to lead classrooms in prayer. Schools used to have prayer. The Ten Commandments. God at the forefront. But in, in the early 80s, uh, they started telling preachers, well, you can come speak to our commencement class, but uh, you can't talk about Jesus. And here's what they told Dr. Lindsay. Uh, you can talk about God because God is just ethereal. God is just, you know, he's out there in the atmosphere somewhere. God is not, you know, is, is nondescript. It could be anything to anybody, you know, higher power. Uh, it can be any kind of something. But you can't say Jesus. And here's what they said, and this should have been a wake-up call to them because, because you know, that, that name might offend some people. Yeah, because the truth hurts. So Dr. Lindsey got up, and he said, I'm just glad to be here today to speak to the graduating class of 1982. And I just want to stay within the guidelines that I've been given. The instructions I've been given were that if I wanted to talk about God, I could say anything I want to say about God, but I am not allowed to talk about Jesus. But if I was allowed to talk to you about Jesus today, I would tell you that Jesus 
is the one and only begotten Son of God. Now, I can't speak to you about Jesus today, but if I was allowed to tell you about Jesus, I would tell you that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And he did that for about 30 minutes. They didn't ask him back. See, there's power in the name of Jesus. Culture has perverted the image of God down to nothing. God is dead. That's what people say in their mind. God can be anything. Well, God can be one thing to you and another thing. Just, hey, Jesus is what he is and everybody knows that. And there's power in the name of Jesus. I ought to start a movement right now. Jesus bless you. They had shut that, that sneezing thing down. People literally, if you say God bless you, people will look at you and they'll say two words back to you. Oh, thank you. Go ahead and say Jesus bless They'll look at you like, why are you pushing your religion on me? There's power in the name of Jesus. And we need to start telling people about Jesus. John looked at Jesus and said, there is the Lamb of God. He was willing. He wasn't scared. He, was, he wasn't cowardly. He saw Jesus and he publicly declared, that's the Lord. And we, hey, we have these stories for our examples. We're supposed to do what others did so we can have what they had. Uh, do you know, uh, I'll, I'll just, answer, just ask you an easy question. Should we be telling others who the Messiah is? Yes, we should. Verse, 30, verse 37, this is epic. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now, as a pastor, and it, it mean, means less to me than most. I mean, it means something to everybody. But I'm not, I'm not burdened by empty seats in the Lord's church. I made a decision long ago. The Bible says i got to give an account to God for every word I speak. And I'd rather uh, say things that uh, God wanted me to say than say things that would pack a building. And so I'm, I'm as little concerned about how many people show up as a preacher could possibly be. But I can tell you this. I know as a preacher um, who, who has a congregation what might have ran through John's mind. It says, when John's two disciples heard this, heard what? Heard what John said. Heard what John said about Jesus. They followed Jesus. Guess who they've been following? John. They were a member of John's crowd. Guess what happened to John's crowd when they, when they left? It got what? Smaller. Now, could you imagine a preacher standing up and saying, hey, man, they're really telling the truth down there at that church up the street. Man, if you really want to get locked into what's real about God, that, you know, that's down there at Shiloh. Shiloh's got to get bigger. John said, there he is. That, that is the Lamb of God. And, and two of John's disciples were like, well, we're out. We're following this then. And they were smart to do it. See, that's the thing about abundant life in every real Christian church. There's nobody in this church asking you to follow. There, we are not a denomination. We're not asking people to join our denomination. We don't have all the right answers. This church doesn't belong. Well, I go to Pastor Scott's church. It's not possible. I don't have a church. The church belongs to the Lord. This church, uh, I, my biggest prayer is this church will outlive me and go on beyond me. Um, we are not calling people to our own movement. 
We are not a movement. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and we are pointing people to Jesus. And when John did that, they started following Jesus. In verse 38, the Bible says, Jesus looked around and saw them following, period. I tell you all the time, when you read, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll perfect your understanding. Stop when you see a comma. That's cause for pause. Think about what you just read. Stop on a period and reread it. Digest it. Take it in small bite-sized pieces so you can get it down in your spirit. Jesus looked around and saw them following. I'm going to let you be Bible professor today. I'm going to pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study, open discussion style, and I'm going to let you teach us real quick. Jesus looked around and saw them following. Somebody tell us what Jesus is still doing today. Based on this verse, he's looking around. And, and what's he seeing? He's seeing who's following him. Now, be our Bible professor again today, somebody. How can you say that? How do you know? Just because he did it then, he, that, that's a long time ago. You say he's still doing that now? Some, somebody teach, teach everybody in the room. Uh, how, how do we know that right now Jesus is looking around to see who's following him? Because he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus did then, he's still doing now. I'm not mad at the person who made a gazillion dollars on four simple letters, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Lunch boxes, T-shirts, headbands, wristbands. What would Jesus do? Well, they asked me that question. I told him he'd do the exact same thing he did. Well, what do you mean? What did I say? We got a comprehension, comprehension issue or we got a hearing issue? He would always do what he did. And if Jesus was alive, what would Jesus do if he was in this room today? He'd do the same thing he did 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. Jesus looked around, and he saw them following. If you don't get anything out of this lesson, get this. If you're following the Lord, he sees you. Y'all just going to make me do Listen, there was a time in my life when I did it. There was a time in my life in the early days of this church I preached loud, hard, longer. I slobbed oil on people almost every service. Um, I, I preached for response, and then I decided I'm going to stop preaching for response and preach for results. But if y'all just if y'all need me to go through antics and loud uh, uh, oratory exercises to get you to follow along with what I'm saying, um, then I could do that. I'd just rather not. I'd rather you focus and pay attention. If you are following the Lord, he sees you. That ought to be enough for you right there to say, I'm so glad he sees me. I'm so thankful. He knows my heart. He knows my love for him. And I want to tell you something. If you're faking it, he knows that too. Then Jesus says this, what do you want? Now here's what's crazy. Uh, is this, for some of you that have read the Gospels before, is this the only time Jesus asked some, somebody something like this? Not at all. He went around asking people that all the time. So let's just stay with this, with this context. If Jesus was here today, what might he ask? What do you want? Oh, I hope you have an answer for that. What do you want from the Lord? See, this is going to determine a lot about how you live. And me personally... Obviously, we all have wants and desires, but I'm talking about that big thing. What is that big thing 
that you, well, let's just, let's just, you know, ain't but a few of us here today. Let's just go ahead and, and see. Anybody have something that they really want from the Lord bold enough to say it? Amen. That's why he's a deacon in the Lord's church. The big thing, the one big thing, of course I have other things that I want, but the one thing that really matters to me, I just want to go to heaven when I leave this place. And if you're, listen, some of y'all mad at God because you haven't gotten a promotion. Mad at God because things haven't worked out for you. Mad at God because your brother, your cousin, your nephew, that scumbag at work is doing better than you're doing in this life. Listen, let me tell you something. None of that has anything to do with Christianity. Jesus didn't say, come and follow me and everything in this life will be hunky-dory, finding candy, uh, finding dandy like fat candy. He said, follow me and I'll get you to heaven. And that ought to be what you want. People say, well, Pastor Scott, it's all going to work out in the end. Yeah, but the end ain't now. It all worked out for Stephen. Anybody, somebody tell us who Stephen was in the Bible. He's the first martyr in the New Testament. It all worked out for him, didn't it? Yeah, they killed him. Well, God took, God's going to take care of him. God took care of Peter, didn't he? Killed him too. God took care of him. It all worked out for Jesus, didn't it? Yes, it did. And it's all going to work out for everybody who follows God. Hear me good. In the end. When's the end going to be? In the end. People used to ask me, well, why do you think God didn't heal your wife? You never talked to a funeral director. You didn't have a grave site. When, when she died at 814 on a Sunday morning, uh, 16 years ago this week, I asked the nurse in hospice, what do I do now? Who do I call? She said, call your funeral home. I don't have one. You haven't made arrangements? No, my arrangements were to trust God for my, and she was unbeliever, and she mocked me for my, my faith. People ask me, you know, you stood in so much faith for your wife to, to be healed. Uh, why, why, didn't, why didn't she get healed? And, and I finally came up with the right answer. She did. She don't have cancer anymore. Uh, she don't even have me to deal with anymore. So she, she's just all the way healed. Hallelujah. Jesus sees what you're doing. He asks, what do you want? I hope you got a right, ready answer for the Lord. But let me tell you something. If what you want is all your bills paid, $3 million in the bank, a house on the ocean with a bunch of servants to fan you with palm fronds and feed you. Gra oh, no, no, that's not me. Um, if you... If you want some silliness like that, I'm kidding. I don't want that. If you want some silliness like that, you have no promise for that. That's not what Jesus, Jesus promised, that he would give you eternal life in the future and an abundant life right now. And that abundance is spiritual. It's not physical. How do you know that, Pastor? Because none of the disciples had an abundance in the natural. Jesus died, didn't have a place to lay his head. Now, is that to say that all rich people are the devil? We got a culture right now that is anti-1%. The top 1% are all the problem. Uh, God's not mad at rich people. Abraham was the richest man on the planet during his day. Job was the richest man on the planet during his day. There are certain people that God has designed to trust with money. If you don't have any, maybe you did something wrong, or maybe he can't trust you. Let me keep going. But what, what do you want? Jesus asked. They replied, they, 
They, they means there's more than one. How many are there in this case? Let me see if you follow. There's two. It's Andrew and somebody else. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So here's what they're saying. We're trying to learn about you, dude. We're trying to figure you out. We're here checking you out. Well, how you living? See, that's how we would say it in 2022. Well, well what do you want to know? Well, how you living? What, what are you about? Uh, now, if I heard this phrase, I, I remember the first time I heard this phrase, I was at James Weldon Johnson, 7th grade center on Kings Road, way down Kings Road, past the General Mail Center on Kings Road. And I had this question asked of me for the first time because you got you to realize, I went to kindergarten, first and second grade in England. Okay, very proper, very sophisticated. Uh, my parents were married. My father was wealthy. My dad was a deep sea diver with a screw-on mask and the hose that went up to the ship back when that was a really dangerous job. Still a dangerous job, but more so then. People died doing that all the time in decompression chambers. And he was welding pipes on the bottom of the ocean floor. My dad in the 60s, I read in his journals, he got paid a certain amount every day for being on the boat. He'd go out six, eight, nine months at a time. My dad was making $30,000 a month in the 60s. The Beatles weren't making $30,000 a month in the 60s. Elvis wasn't making $30,000. No athlete was making that kind of money. And so, you know, we, we had a, di a different form of life. We left. My mom decided, uh, you know, time to get divorced. We left England, moved in with her sister and their 300 children into a small, tiny little house. Was it Norfolk? Norfolk, Virginia. And we're like, oh, Lord. She didn't have 300. Four? It was a bunch of them. And they had friends coming over, and, and here, here come. And listen, and Dina was this little blonde-haired, and she sounded English for so long. People, remember people used to ask you to talk? Dina was this little pro proper English-speaking per person. And so we, we get to, and that was culture shock. We're going from, you know, living in a mansion, having, having servants. We're over here in America now and living, you know, these people enlisted in the Navy, and we're living packed up with family, three-bedroom house. There's three of us, six of them. We got nine people living in a tiny little 1,100-square-foot, three-bedroom house. You're like, My, we do that now. Praise the Lord. Good for you. So we were there for a couple of years. Then we came to Jacksonville, Florida. Now, went to private school up in Virginia, then went to public school uh, after that. Get to Jacksonville, Florida. How many of y'all understand? Jacksonville might be a little bit of culture shock from England. How many of y'all understand? New Kings Road or Kings Road, James Weldon Johnson, 7th grade center, might be a little shock coming out of uh, private school. Hey, when I tell you, I remember where I was first time I heard it. I'm, I'm not lying. It, it stuck out. I might forget what I had for lunch yesterday, but I remember this. Living long enough, you, you'll get old. Uh, somebody said, <laughs> blew me back, but this, is, this, this would be how a lot of people would ask this question when they said, where are you, stay, where are you staying? Well, they asked, they asked me that a little different. This is this 1975 on Kings Road, downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Where you stay at? You believe people would ask that? Where you stay at? First thought in my mind is, did you just end a sentence with a preposition? 
I'm less sedity now than I used to be. Where you? So they asked the Lord, where you stay at? Now, when they asked me at the James Well Johnson Seventh Grade Center on Kings Road and down uh, in, uh, on the north side of Jacksonville, where you stay at, they weren't trying to case my home. They weren't trying to set me up for a robbery that I know of. What, what were they saying? I, I'm just trying to get to know you, Brett. B-R-O-T-H-E-R. Bro, yeah, bro, all right. Breath, which is jumping all through all types of hoops now. But they were trying to get to, when somebody asks you that, now be careful today, they might be casing your home. There's some of y'all in here, you wouldn't tell people where you live. You're like, no. if you see them follow, and there's some of y'all in this room, if somebody followed you from this place to your house, you wouldn't stop in your driveway. <laughs> they might be, or they might just be doing what these two men were doing. Where you stay at? I'm, I'm trying to get to know you. I'm trying to know you a little bit more. Is what, when he asked them, what do you want? What they're saying is, well, we, John said you were the Christ. We, we want to know you. We're trying to figure you out. In verse 39, Jesus said, come and see. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. I don't know what they did, and you don't either, but it was awesome. I know that. I don't know what he told them, and I don't know what they told him, but I know this. It was awesome. If you ever get around greatness and you get to stay with them the rest of the day, oh, it was awesome. I promise you, it was, it was awesome. It was a great time. It was life-changing for them. Why? Because they got what they were asking for. Now, if Jesus... Gave them what they were asking for. Jesus will still do that for us today if we're asking for the right thing. They were asking for the right thing. And Jesus gave them exactly what they wanted. Verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So these two people, one of them is Andrew. And in verse 41, the Bible says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him we have found the Messiah which means Christ why did Andrew go tell his brother because it was awesome why why do you tell somebody man have you been to Jenkins barbecue why why do you tell somebody oh have you seen the new Top Gun movie why do you tell somebody uh that, that, you know, Marvel is better than DC because it is. I mean, why do you tell somebody? <laughs> That's right. Why do you tell people stuff? Because you like it. You share good news. There's a default switch in all humanity that compels us to share good. Have you heard the latest cut by so-and-so? We Find something we like, we are compelled. There is something on the inside of you that compels you to share anything that you like with as many people as will listen. Now, I'm going to give you a test right now. Who do you think put that compulsion on the inside of you to share good news? God did. God put that on the inside of us. And Andrew, like, man, I just had the greatest day. I got to go tell my brother. 
we're still that same way. If you find something you really like, now some of y'all are like, well, I'm just an introvert, Pastor. You got somebody you want to tell. You put a blast out on, on, on social media about it. What happened to Christians that caused us to stop sharing not just good news, but the greatest news that ever is? Andrew's like, man, I got to tell my brother. He went to find, he didn't say Andrew went on about his business. A couple, couple days later, bumped into his brother and said, hey, no, he went on purpose. We got to start living life with a purpose. I can still hear Drill Sergeant Robinson in my mind from March of 1986. Move like you got a purpose. The church of Jesus Christ needs to move like we have a purpose. Our purpose is to reveal to the world the God that revealed himself to us. And God revealed himself to Andrew through Jesus Christ. And Andrew's like, man, I got to tell somebody. I got to go find my brother. Let him know. We have found him. Verse 42 says, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, period. Title of the message, who will you bring to meet Jesus? Now, I originally had titled this message, who did you bring to meet Jesus? But some of y'all hadn't brought anybody yet. So I wanted to include you too. Who will you bring to meet Andrew brought his brother Simon. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. We have these stories for our examples. We're supposed to do what the people, what Jesus did and what those who followed him accurately did. Well, Andrew did the right thing. He brought someone to meet Jesus. Guess what you ought to be doing? Bringing somebody to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Guess what Jesus was letting him know? I'm about to change your life. I'm going to change your whole world. I'm going to give you a new name, a new purpose. I'm looking right into your soul, Simon Bar-Jonah. I'm looking right into the depth of who you are. And listen to me. I got something for you that you've never seen before. If Jesus was that kind of way then, he's still that kind of way now. You bring somebody to Jesus, they might shrug it off. But I'm going to tell you this. It still got them. They might push it off, but it's still working on them. We used to sing a church, a song in the old church. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I'm going to promise you this. You try to bring somebody to Jesus. You try to introduce somebody to Jesus. You share something with somebody about Jesus. They may act unaffected, but the Bible says of itself, the word of God will never return void. It accomplishes what God put it out there to do. Some of y'all have been preaching the word of God to your children, to your grandchildren for a long time. And you're like, these little hard-headed knuckleheads, I've shared every truth I can share with them. And they, they it just have no impact. Not true. Oh, they're hard-headed knuckleheads for sure. That impact's not manifesting for sure. But it's having an impact. Because the word of God gets down into them. And it begins to separate between truth and error. It begins to stick and to prick them. And it works. Andrew brings his brother, Simon, to meet Jesus. Simon says, son of John, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to get out of here early today and just tell you this. 
everyone should bring someone to meet Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is the answer, if you believe that you have found the answer to the biggest question in life through Jesus Christ, you ought to be telling somebody. You ought to be bringing somebody. Well, does that mean I have to bring them to church? Not necessarily, but it's probably the easiest way to do it. Now, you can memorize 150, 200, 5,000, 10,000 verses of Scripture. You can become an expert in theology, and, and you can just break it down for them, or you can share with them what you know at lunch. You know, all that is great. You can share what you know with them online. All that is great. You can share what you know with them. You can get engaged in conversations, and they, uh, all that is fantastic. You can invite them to church. That's fantastic, too. But some kind of way, you need to be bringing somebody to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what we need to do right now. Everybody in this room needs to have a mindset. Each one can reach one. Who are you going to reach for Jesus? Who are you going to reach for Jesus? I'm going to do something that I haven't done maybe ever. I've been preaching. Uh, I took my first full-time staff position in 1982 at Riverview Baptist Church on Lim Turner. Uh, right, off, right off the corner of Lim Turner and Sutel. And I've been preaching for 40 years. I don't know that I've ever just read the words to a song. But as God was moving in my spirit this week, see, the hardest thing for my week all week long, the hardest task I have as the overseer of this church is getting God to tell me what he wants me to say on Sunday and on Wednesday. People ask me, people call me up and ask me on a Monday, what you doing, Pastor Scott? Getting ready for Wednesday. Guess what I'm doing on Thursday? Getting ready for Sunday. What do you guess what I'm doing on Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning? The hardest job I have because I don't preach out of books. I don't preach off other people's messages. I literally ask God, please show me what you'd have me to say. And as God was showing me and, and, and gra grafting this sermon into my heart, he brought a song to my mind. And I thought, man, I'm just going to read that song to God's people because some of them haven't heard it. And it is, it's, it's an older song uh, by a man named Ray Bolts. And Ray Bolts certainly had his challenges as a human being, but there were no challenges in this song. And I want you to hear this song. It, it, it's about two guys that end up in heaven. And, and hear, what the, hear, hear, what, hear, hear the words. I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing. Then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Then another man stood before you and said, remember the time. A missionary came to your church, and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. 
One by one they came, as far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. Listen to this last verse. And I know that up in heaven you're not supposed to cry. But I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, he said, my child, look around you, for great is your reward. And the Course says, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. It says it again, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. You may never know everybody whose life you impacted on this earth. Man, I know for sure. There's a lot of people that have come through our food and clothing ministry. You may not even know that you talked to them. But you just said, what's up? And they thought, man, there's some nice people in here. There must be a God. You won't ever even know till you get to heaven everybody whose life you impacted for the Lord. You might have just saw somebody at the Walmart, at the grocery store, showed some kindness to them, and God used that act of kindness to begin to open up their heart for salvation. Now, I'm not saying that in heaven, I don't believe this is going to play out. I don't believe... Cedric's just going to sit down in the middle of Hallelujah Boulevard and people going to line up and come up to him and say, man, I really appreciate everything you did. But how many, how many of y'all know it would be awesome to have done something in this life that resulted in another human being finding God? John did something in his life he told the people that were around him, that's the real Messiah. Introduced Andrew to Jesus. Andrew said, this good news. I can't keep this to myself. What happened to the church that caused us to decide to keep good news to ourselves? Well, I'm just trying to get me straight before I tell some. No, that ain't the way. They look at you and say, well, you ain't perfect. That's right. That's why I need Jesus. Don't you dare wait till you get perfect and start telling people about this good news that Jesus loves them. In Mark 16, 15, last verse I'm going to read, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's not a suggestion. That's a command from our God. That's your job. That's my job. I used to tell people all the time. I told, I told uh, Elder Jimmy this years ago, over 15 years ago, because he was young in Christ, and he was growing, and he wasn't a deacon, he wasn't an elder, but he had something in him that he, he knew he wanted to grow closer to God, and he wanted to serve God full time. And I said, well, you ought to do what I did. 
before, before I went into full-time vocational ministry. He said, what's that? I said, when people ask you what you do, put a variation on what I used to say. He said, well, what would you used to say? People would ask me, well, what do you do for a living? And I'd tell them, well, I cut grass to pay the bills. But I serve the one true God full-time. I said, you just ought to start telling people. But I build fences to pay the bills. But what I do is I serve the true and living God full time. And you ought to start sharing this good news with people everywhere you go. Who are you going to bring to the Lord? I'm happy that God has allowed me to bring some people to the Lord. Well, you're a pastor. I wasn't a pastor when I started bringing people to the Lord. That little girl right there got brought to the Lord. My sister. God saved me, changed my life. Let me know I'd found something I didn't have before. See, if your salvation didn't change you to make you into something more than you were, you didn't get real salvation. If you didn't go from being who you were to becoming a new person, you didn't get real salvation. The Bible says if you're truly saved, you become a new person. When God saved me, I told my sister what the Lord me she prayed and got saved then we did what Christians are supposed to do we're, we're looking for somebody else to bring to the Lord we started working on, on our mom and that was tough my mom did not want to hear it she knew she was saved she'd been saved she took us to church she's the one that had the Bible on the coffee table we didn't even own a Bible uh, if it wasn't for her uh, But we were determined. No, we're going to bring her to the Lord. Or die trying. We're going to keep telling the people we love about this Jesus that can do something for them that nobody else can do. We tried to win her to Christ in the home. We tried to share the Lord with her. Left her tracks, tapes. One day she agreed to go to church with us. And we watched our mom walk the aisle and pray to receive Christ. Oh, I'm not asking who's going to be in heaven because of you. My sister's not going to heaven because of me. She's going to heaven because of her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I'm glad I was able to share a little bit of good news with her and introduce her to Jesus. Then together we were able to introduce our mom. Back then, we had a little kid in our house named Mark, my younger brother. He didn't come to Christ right away. Oh, he walked out, prayed prayers, and acted like he, you know, he's in a Christian home. But I was blessed to have him come live with me in the early 90s. He's born in 74, so that would have made him in 1992, 18. So he'd had a lifetime of his big sister, who was like a mother to him, telling him about Jesus, his older brother, 
telling him about the Lord, his mom telling him about the Lord, going to church, watching us go to church, hearing gospel music. But I got it written down in my other Bible, the date. We were in church on Seaboard Avenue when Potter's House was Word of Faith Church in its early days. And I brought him to church with me on a Friday night, and he walked an aisle. And he went up there, and he prayed to receive Christ. He died on Christmas Eve, 2001. He's not in heaven because me and my sister and my mom. He's in heaven because he got saved and gave his life to Jesus. So it's not who's going to be in heaven because of you because nobody's going to be in heaven because of you and nobody's in heaven because of me. Peter's not in heaven because of Andrew. And Andrew's not in heaven because of John. But each one can reach one. Who's going to be in heaven? Because you told them about Jesus. Who's going to be in heaven? Because you cared enough to share the good news with them. That's our job. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Obviously, you're going to start with your family. If you heard something great, you're going to tell the people closest to you. If God has saved you, you know something great. If you know that Jesus is the only true way to God, you know something great that the whole world doesn't know. If you know that it takes more than going to church and claiming Christianity to being a real Christian, then you know something great. And you ought to tell someone. I hope you'll tell someone. I hope that you will go into all the world and proclaim out of your mouth the good news to everybody. Well, Pastor, I tell everybody everywhere I go and they just won't come. Keep telling them. The Bible says that some plant a seed, some add water to that seed, but God gives the increase. The day a farmer plants a seed, the crop doesn't grow that same day. It takes time. It takes watering. You don't know 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you might have just shared something with somebody. Just your attitude. Could have been anything with somebody. And as a result of that, they came to the Lord. Let me say something to parents. I know you're never going to give up on your kids, but don't let your mind think they, it's not affecting them. It is. Keep dragging them to church. Keep sharing it with people that act like they're not listening. See, people can try to not listen, but God's word never returns void. Put the word of God in your mouth and start sharing it with people. How, how can I do it, Pastor? You can open your mouth and share face to face. You could just start letting it impact you. 
I don't know if she ever told you this, Hugo, and I, 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 don't, sell, I don't often call people out. But I hope she quit nagging you at some point. Stacy's so in love with her husband. She wanted her husband in church saved, right with God so much. She just emailed me to death, pray, pray for Hugo. I'm like, yeah, you told me that yesterday. And I, I told her, I said, here's what you would need to concentrate on. Don't ever nag him. Don't, 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 don't browbeat him. Don't throw Bible at him. You just fall so in love with Jesus. You just shine for Jesus. You just, you just get so close to Jesus that it affects your attitude and it makes you a better person. People will see that and then they'll want to come. I don't know if she ever quit nagging him, but I'm glad to see you in church. I'm, 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 I'm glad that you've made a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I, I, I believe the only reason Hugo will be in heaven is because of his personal relationship with Jesus. But God allowed Stacy to help make an introduction. Are you introducing anybody to Jesus? Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. I told y'all that story about Billy Graham. And that reporter asked him, he said, you know, you've given counsel to a dozen presidents. You've preached on the biggest stages in the world. You're the leading name in evangelical Christianity. Are there any regrets? He said, he just began sobbing. He said, yeah, I have regrets. He said, I regret every time I had an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, and I didn't. And I thought, wow, he sure has told more people than me. And God let me understand, we're not in a contest here. He was responsible for his life to tell Jesus to the people that God put in his life. I'm responsible for my life to tell people about Jesus that God put in my life. You're responsible for your life to tell people about Jesus. Who will you bring to the Lord? I hope it's a bunch. I don't wish hell on anybody, and you shouldn't either. There's a real heaven and a real hell. And if you know God, you need to get busy telling the good news. What's the good news? That Jesus lived a perfect life so he'd be an acceptable offering, sacrifice to God for the payment of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Somebody has to make that payment. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. But the Bible says he rose again on the third day so he could be the first among many in the resurrection. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm trying to introduce you to Jesus. He changed my life. He's God come in the flesh. He's the physical, visible image of the invisible God. And he's the only way to eternal life. I hope you found that way. And if you have, you need to start helping other people find that way.
Because of all the things we can get sidetracked in life, and surely there's bills to pay, and there's work to do, and there's kids to raise, and there's life to live, and, and there's interpersonal relationship. There's all that. But of all that there is to do in life, none of it is as important as making sure that your mother has heard about Jesus, that your children have heard about Jesus, that your spouse has heard about Jesus. Well, they already know. Tell them again. Tell them again. Keep telling. Some of you are just hurting for those that you love to be saved. The Bible says God sees every tear that you cry and he bottles them up in heaven. The Bible says we would doubtless go weeping, but we'll come back rejoicing. And I want you to know if you're telling people about Jesus, you're making a difference. If you're doing anything to introduce someone to Jesus, you're making a difference. You might not have seen it happen yet, but God's still working on them. Let's get focused. Let's believe that our life can have meaning. We all ought to have the same answer to what they claim is the biggest question in life. What is your purpose for being here? I'm going to give you a purpose today for myself. You see if you want it for you. It's been my purpose for a long time. I just want to see one more person come to Jesus. Every day. It's my thought. Because I know what's on the other side if they don't. You can reach somebody. You can bring somebody to the Lord. Not only can you do it, but God has commanded you to do it. But he said this, I'm always with you. You're not alone in this effort. We're in this with God. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's get busy telling people. I'll keep telling people about a good restaurant. People need good food. Keep telling them about a good movie. People love entertainment. But don't stop telling people about Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the people in my life, God, that planted seeds in my life as a child that introduced me to you along the way. Thank you for finding me, revealing yourself to me. God, I pray for every Christian in this room right now, God, that you would let us move past whatever has hindered us from sharing the good news with the whole world and let us get on a mission to go and preach the good news to people everywhere. God, I pray for each person in this room who's not saved. Lord, I pray that you would save them by the power of the Spirit. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and give us power for this life to go forth from this place determined to tell everybody we have found the Messiah. You are the one true and living God. That is our confession. There is no God like you. This is our belief. 
Help us, God, to make you famous in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe we found the Messiah, come on, put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.